Hello, this is Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. Uh, it's now podcast, probably podcast number three in the series. It might not be. Uh, and we are going to be talking about books. And I'm joined by the uh, Marxist-Leninist protester, uh, Josie Long. Hello. Uh, there, who's been agitating society now through cartoons and stand-up shows for the last 15 years. I, I like to call myself alternative comedian. Alternative to comedian. Oh, very clever. Very. Clever. I always think of you more as a performance artist. It doesn't matter whether I laugh or not. I've gone on a journey. It's smiles, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a lot of smiles. You know, and laughing, is, there's a little bit too much laughter, isn't there? Actually, I do think that's a problem. We're also joined by uh, the uh, author and... Poet and broadcaster. I'll say you're a broadcaster, and you haven't done any broadcasting. No, this is my first time. Everyone's, every, everyone's a broadcaster now. Everyone. You've seen that every day. Yeah, yeah. And we're joined by the uh, comedian and broadcaster, Josie Long. Um, so, and we're joined by Laura Dockrell. Laura Dockrell. Yeah, we are joined by Laura Dockrell. We didn't get as far as you did. We, uh, one of the first times we met was uh, on a train, a train journey uh, from the When the Light uh, Gets In uh, yes, festival okay. at, at Hay, where mm. at that point you had been, you were a poet. Mm. And we were just talking about this in, outside and I said, oh, you're going to do, uh, I, I feel sorry, are you going to do one of your poems? Yes. Do us a turn. Because I remember that once there was a character in the TV sitcom Bread who was a poet. I can't remember his name was. I remember once seeing Alan Titchmarsh interviewing the actor. I forget his name, Jonathan Thing. And uh, and he went, oh, it's lovely to have you on Pebble Mill at one. And uh, are you going to do a poem for us? And he went, well, that's not, I'm not actually a poet. That's a part I play. And Titchmarsh looked fucking furious. Like, <laughs> hey, 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 this is showbiz. <laughs> but I'm you not do a, a poem, yeah. you now. do a turn. I'm not a gardener, but I still buy you a fucking yeah. plant. <laughs> the, uh, the... Uh, so, Laura, you are not doing poetry well, now. Well, I am. Can you give us a little bit... Well, t tell me, right, first of all, you were quite young when you started doing poetry, Yeah, you? so basically, poetry is the only thing I ever knew. I didn't know what I was doing. I was writing a form, and then so everyone basically said, oh, what you're doing is poetry, and I was like, oh, brilliant. That gives it a name. Um, I still shove poetry into everything I do, a bit like vegetables in the mashed potato for a child. I believe that poetry should be everywhere, and you should always... There's no excuse to not write with poetry anyway. But it's a very poetic image there, the mashed potato you. and vegetables for a child. Thank you. <laughs> but basically, I, I don't know how you feel for you guys, because I know you're not just uh, comedians, you're so much more than that. Doing the circuit when I was performing live, I would feel like I was sort of fighting two battles. I'd be like, before anyone was um, accessing my material, they were thinking, what is this? What am I? What am I watching right now? And I'd be booked one time. It would be above a pub. The next, and I'd be like, okay, that gig went quite well. But then you get like a free drinks at the bar. And then the next time you're doing something and it's like a theatre and the next thing is with comedians and there's no way to monitor how your audience are receiving you. And, and you can just feel like you're constantly a bug under the glass. And uh, and I just started feeling like this isn't very good for my writing or my self-esteem. I'm thinking, what do the punters want? Like, And then actually that would be the material that I didn't really want to write. So yes. that's an interesting... Sorry, Josie. You... Well, I, I was going to say also, it's such an artificial thing, really. Yes. I have to say, as somebody who makes stuff, yes. I am this. Yeah, because absolutely. Because really it's like, I f exactly, I found that and it worked for me. And I think one of the reasons why we've kept to stand up so long is because with stand up you can get away with so much. what is basically performance art but and still what the laughter is expectant like i think I feel mm. like com comedy and stand up um, is the only uh, genre really where there's such an expectation from the audience whereas with the um, spoken word no one if they if you want them to cry but they don't it's not the end of the world and if you want them to laugh but they don't it's not the end of the world yes yeah, silence you is not necessarily a judgment you just want them yeah. to be yeah. quiet and listen <laughs> to it and not be going whoa get your tits out which sometimes they say too so it's actually like i do i if feel they say it. <laughs> I, I 
my hat. He really took his top uh-huh. off. Yeah. He but took his top was, off at a literary festival. Yeah, no, we did. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you know what? Sometimes I look at the ladies, I think, what do they want? You know, and uh, they want to see my I've been up that hill for a few years now. I am toned. But we, we were he doing ripped a gig. his cardigan uh, off. Um, oh, where was it? <laughs> Scrambling for the buttons. <laughs> no, no, no. Each button, the flick of the small oh, okay. thumb. As they the poppered buttons. off. They poppered. And it was uh, it was the um, lovely Lawn Festival. Have you ever been to the Lawn oh, Festival? Lawn's amazing. It's I love Lawn. Really great festival. See, they get it. They get what we're. They they understand but our species. I think we stand up <laughs> though. What? Like this will be interesting. Yeah. That's what they're going into. They're yes. like, I wonder what this will be. Yeah. But that's kind of exactly, a lot of the stand up yeah. shows that we do now, and a lot of the things we're involved in are not the same things that people like in some of the, the clubs, the kind of the big Saturday night clubs. So I think an audience that comes, like I did Tung Fu. I don't know if you know yeah, Tung, Fu. Tung Fu. Tung Fu's great, great right? as well. I was doing some, it was some gig for some refugee charities. It was Kate Tempest. There was John Hegley. The fantastic list of people. I'm always worried in those because at that, at that point, even though on the comedy circuit, I might be considered to be, you know, oh, look at him being highfalutin and esoteric. At the moment, of course, you're in a room with some uh, poets like that. You think, oh, no, they're going to be, a, look at that cheap turn with these jokes. <laughs> no. And what was brilliant was everyone went up and some of them were doing poetry and some of it was what I would call, when I say very obviously poetry, I don't mean that in a bad way. I literally mean, there we go, that is poetry. Mm-hmm. And some of them you think, I'm not entirely sure whether that's poetry or prose, that's just using language. But I still think there is a difficulty, isn't there, for what you're saying, which is, People aren't instructed their expectations. Like, like I always yeah. think of the film um, Happiness. You ever I seen love the film? That film Happiness. Todd Solondz. Yeah. Now yes. I remember going to see that because it had. I think it was Daniel Clowes. Worried did which the bit's going to match up to me, but waiting to hear the, uh, <laughs> the, the very the end. <laughs> Put it this way: I have a lot of salt on my food now. But it's um, the the. The audience, because it had a Daniel Klaus, I think it was Daniel Klaus who did the poster. Yes, yeah. Uh, it looked like a comedy yeah, poster. It did, yeah. It has some of the rhythms of a comedy. And then now in the happiness, you're yeah. like, cool, happy. But you're it's not laughing, not... you're like, no. It's shocking. It's, well, that awkward. was the thing. The audience I was with, I think some of them thought it's a comedy. Yeah. So there's a point where you laugh. And I, I remember sitting during a couple of scenes going, this is really bleak. And this is not, I don't mean so bleak it's laugh bleak. I just mean, this is sad. And because they think, I think we're going to find Philip Seymour Hoffman funny because he's a bit sweaty. <laughs> and you could then sense that. In fact, my favourite, I'm sure I've talked about this before, one of my favourite things, going to see Sandra Bernhardt many years ago during the kind of peak of her career. You know, that she'd been tagged you know, to, to Madonna. She'd become very, very famous, worldwide famous. I went to see at the Edinburgh Playhouse and uh, there was an audience who I don't think I'd ever seen her live before, but they're very excited. And she, of course, mixes things up. Sometimes she's singing pink, uh, not pink Cadillac, but whatever Prince's Cadillac colour is. And uh, has he got a Cadillac? What's his Cadillac? Uh, no, he's got a Corvette. She's okay. singing a little red Corvette, right? <laughs> okay. She's singing a little red Corvette. I'm not very good on cars. Uh, she's a little red Corvette. Then she's doing some stand-up. And then she starts doing this story and everyone's going, ha, 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 There's references. And I think they're references where, you know when you don't really get a reference? Where, <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was listening and I thought, I don't think this is a funny story. I, oh, I've got God. an inkling. And basically, it ends up being this story about how one of her friends was killed by a serial killer. Yeah. Oh my God. And there was this incredible moment where the audience just kind of went, oh. Yeah. It's like when your neighbor's moaning to you, but you feel like they're trying to say how someone else is out of order, and you find that actually, like, you're the one being, like, to them, like, oh, I mean, oh, it's good what you did, but I might, like, you're nodding along to try and make up for it. Oh, whose side am I meant to, oh, like, changing your mind? That's how it feels. And that's like, you can sometimes see when you're on stage you can see people's brows just frowning a little bit more their sort of eyebrows knitting together and you think you just don't get this and I could just be saying anything and once I was introduced on stage which was kind of one of the final points 
for me when I thought I can't bother with this anymore. Somebody said, they introduced me and they went, I don't actually know even what they'd booked me, the promoter. I don't even know what you do. Is it ballet? I was like, I'm not going to get up on a stage after these comedians and do some ballet, am I? Also, great She's way to lady. undermine. Great yeah, way to make yeah. me feel. Status. And then I think, yeah. great, like, now I've got to get on here and <laughs> speak some poetry. I, feel really I don't so. know what she's doing, but give I her a chance. But I like that idea. Anyway, the next one's a woman, so I imagine she does a dance. <laughs> Please welcome Laura Dockrill. <laughs> she's speaking. Get her off. Get yeah, her exactly. off. Exactly. <laughs> I had her yeah. opinions. And so when you came to that realisation, yeah. Yeah. what did you then do next? Um, there, there was a good moment for me at Camp Festival when I was reading some of my adult work. Crystal growing up. <laughs> and basically, some children came to watch. And I, it, it was basically my stage got gatecrashed by kids. And there was like some a two-year-old breakdancing. <laughs> I was actually headlining, so it was a bit annoyed me that she was there seeing the show Upstage, in sure. a nappy. Um, and then my agent was like, maybe this is what... Oh, oh no, so I panicked first. I thought, what am I going to read to them? I knew a Roald Dahl poem off by heart. So I thought, let me just read that while I think of how I'm going to get out of this crisis. Because <laughs> I was basically like um, censoring the work as I was going along. And then I thought, I finished, and, and I thought I should write something for younger people. And then I thought that could be a really good way around the poetry, because what I can do is start feeding poetry into all my mini novels for kids when they're young, um, so which I have done. So when they ever do see a spoken word artist on stage, they're not like, what is this? Oh, I know. I've, I've come across this before. So uh, last year... I love the idea of lyricism. Yeah, I hope so. And last year I visited 150 schools just doing that and talking about this. And I've been visiting... I visit That's schools amazing. constantly, telling them the same thing. So I also do... I'm writing for teens now and I do plays and stuff too. So I'm still... Uh, I still get the live buzz because I speak in front of 400 kids a day and I still do talk and all that sort of thing. So if someone asks me for the right thing, I'll you know, be commissioned. If it, I know it's going to be the right audience, I just don't feel like the circuit is where I want to be every time because you might get the lovely people that come and see you that have seen you before or they know who you are and that's always great. And I'm, this isn't every audience, but some people also with poetry think we're kind of quite happy to do it out of the back of a van, like for mm. no money. Like, she's so wild, let her just do it. And it's also like, no, like I I, I'm trained live. in theatre. I love Burkhoff and like that's where I've come from. I, I look up to like French and Saunders. I want this to be real, not like a joke. Yeah. So what is your... Even though it is a joke. In, in our conversation on the know. very long train journey from, from Hereford, you were saying, I mean, you know, I'm always interested in, in the thing that spurs people into... What, you know, I know you can't, often can't define it. It's not mm. one moment or one book for everyone. But your dad was kind of... He's really into his music, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. And, and he book, was... Yeah. And I think you were saying punk and ska. We yeah. talk because I'm probably as old as him. And uh, <laughs> all, all of so. those things. Yeah. And I wondered, you know, so that means that you were in a house, whereas I was in a house where musically it was hooked on classics, which was classical music wow. with hand claps added, and <laughs> Gilbert and Sullivan occasionally. You know, the nearest we had to pop would have been The Carpenters, whereas you might have had The Specials and The Clash. And I wondered what, what growing up in, in, well, a cultural environment where you're not going, this is adult stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I think some people are brought up in yeah. an environment where... Well, punk is what really... My dad um, told me, you know, he completely taught me that there weren't any rules to art. And I knew that from a really young age. I was so lucky. Um, um, so he used to love it that the that lyrics in punk was just all over the place, that um, Joe Strum has a, lyric, a song called Nick Home. And I loved that. I, and it wasn't really about knits. And and I and I love that. And uh, we all used to know um, that all the lyrics to Gordon is a moron, like since <laughs> we were a kid. And <laughs> Hang on, let's try. I've been going out with, with a girl. girl. Her, Her name, name is Julie. Julie. And last night she said, said to me while, while we were watching telly. She said, Listen, John, I love you. There's this bloke I fancy. Hang on, stop now. I've just seen if we go any over, then we have to pay a uh, license fee on it. But I was ready to do you, the last I, I, bit that I, I stopped you at nine seconds. 
Do it, John. I think 10 seconds is... Uh, you can do the next bit if we have a gap, I think. We'll find out legally. We'll find a gap right. and then you can... Right, oh, my God, go. actually depressed. Actually depressed that she can't do it. Oh, God. No, 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 I want no, you to. No, no. We've this, given a gap. No, We've given this, a gap. No, 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 this no. cute little face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, but I can only do the end bit because yeah, I'll yeah. mess up the beginning bit. Oh, look how no, no. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. <laughs> Any song you want, Josie? <laughs> do how, like, no, how no, 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 oh, no. Do the song. Otherwise, I'll do instant on the snake pass. Here we go. That was all fine. And I, yeah, what were you going to say? You were going to um, ask Well, I just wanted to talk more about performing in schools because mm. I was thinking about when I was a kid how much we loved Michael Rosen. We, My mum just, Gee. we were obsessed with. Can I just Michael say, Rosen this is another, like, we keep mentioning this on podcast, which is if we come up to someone going, by the way, Michael Rosen, can you come on? Oh, oh he will. He would love to come on. Oh, yeah. He is. Can I just say, I went to a beautiful exhibition of, sorry, to, and I will, which was Quentin Blake's work. It was at oh, the House wow. of Illustration. Oh, yeah. And it's just two rooms. Mm. And it was one room was lots of, real mixture of work. It wasn't all the roll doll. It had lots of different stuff. This beautiful use of Indian ink. And then there was one room which was just the sad no, book. Oh, God, I that can't. book. I and can't. it is. If you've not read it, Michael Rosen oh, wrote Do you know what? He's done it almost to me. About yeah. grief and grieving. His, and it he is... lost, he, his, 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 uh, his teenage son uh, died. Yeah. And he has a line which he says, which is, uh, I loved him very, very, very much, but he died anyway. And oh, it was just... like if your love I can't even get it because I think about it. And all Michael the illustrations, Rosen... they just like have been cried on, don't they? They're yeah. like... It's so it's, it's, oh, that God, bit where you go, it's <laughs> such a moment of beauty. So I thought it was going to be funny. <laughs> It but is one of the. But if you if you ever get a ch- you know, do God, not give it to your children. But do <laughs> no. do. The, there's a way that Quentin Blake oh, creates yeah. the face of it's Michael Rosen looking as if he's smiling, and he says it looks like I'm smiling, but I'm not really. And Quentin Blake captures the false mm. smile. It's in the eyes, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the eye, and there's something about. The, they, the get rictus him, nature. they get him so unshaven as well, don't they? Yes, yeah, like, and, and everything dilapidated, like and yeah, it's but, all blues, and and it's not sorry. like any children's book you've ever seen. No. Whenever you've seen a children's book, look that. No, like, it's too sad, much. Like oh. is... But I I was thinking a lot about Michael Rosen, and I sort of wanted to talk about that because I know he goes a lot into schools, and yeah. he's got that brilliant book about being more creative with children mm. and how that's fostered and stuff like that, and like yeah, a lot of his poetry for children is so fun with language yeah absolutely um but it was more, more of like so that's cool you do stuff so i yeah <laughs> like no that. i go uh, definitely he's one of my biggest influences like he's so nice and he would definitely come on this show i'll definitely he would love to i think um going to schools is is really fun for the main mainly for, mainly for talking to them so last week i was asked um i must be really rich from all the teeth i've saved up from underneath the huh. you know, from the tooth fairy or like when I had longer hair, one just put their hand up and said, uh, "Are you allergic to a to, uh, to a hairbrush?" Um, so the <laughs> comments are like much more fun, um, and it's it's mainly as well amazing getting all these kids in a room and being like to all of them like. You can do ev- anything and everything, yes. and everybody in this room is interesting. You all have a chance. Like, do whatever you want to do. And I, at school, I was terrible at spelling and grammar, so I always remind them of that. And still, I have books where my name is on the spine, and that can still happen. If that can happen for me, it can happen to you guys. And that's mostly what I do. So um, last uh, month, I offered a free school visit because I suddenly started thinking, hang on a minute, it's only going to be the schools of money that I'm going to. So I went to a school in Bethnal Green for free and hung out with these kids, and that was a whole new level of realising actually how far we have to go, like how much children don't even know that these jobs exist. The jobs that we're doing right now, chatting this freely in a room, 
and this is what we can Absolutely. do on an afternoon. You have to get involved with Arts Emergency that, because that's exactly... Oh, yeah, I follow Arts Emergency. I love you guys. But that so, people are just have no idea that you could hustle their no, living in no. loads of ways. And you can be it's free. It's like X Factor or Bust if you don't know anything Absolutely. about it. There's no actually, middle ground. Yes, and there's Absolutely. the whole world in between. Yes. That. And um, that to follow, and that that, uh, um, and also they think they they don't think if you're good at that sub, if you're not good at that subject, but you still have a passion, they think it's game over. So yeah. like, I'm really interested in being a scientist, but I'm not good at science, so I definitely can't be mm. the sciencey thing. I have to be the thing that I'm good at. But grades actually, like my grades weren't amazing in English, but I'm still here doing this now, and I just feel like that's part of my job and is what I have to do. So that's kind of a longer thing that I'm constantly doing, but mainly also to get the book around, and that's cool. So to, well, let's talk about well before we get to the book yeah what what were the books which you as a child we've, we've been asking everyone this yeah that really inspired you that moment where because often it's not the first books we all enjoy picture books mm. there's a book and it's sometimes it's just one book Absolutely. you go books are good this well, is yeah so i was obsessed with greek mythology when i was little like well, really really bad like did you have the um, was... Osborne book of Greek uh, myths and legends? Every single one. Oh, I had that's it. got such really good pictures. I of the was monsters. obsessed, and I used to love drawing them. And I remember one time working out how to draw like a curly slipper, like you know how like they all had curly slippers. If you're a king or pauper, everyone had curly slippers. And I remember so clearly. So I want to apologise to Siobhan right now, actually, because I once Siobhan said, "Do you mind if I copy the way you draw a curly slipper in class?" And I was like, "Yes, I do mind." Ha! So basically, <laughs> you can draw as many curly slippers as you want. It's fine. But basically, <laughs> What's I. What's your favourite monster? My f oh, there's so there's so many monsters that I love. But but speaking of monsters, the book I do really want to say before I forget is "Where the Wild Things Are" <gasps> by yes. Morris Sendak. The reason just why quickly is because I don't want to forget. Why I love that book is I felt like I read that book when I was little and you know how you do obviously and get your pens out and scribble all over it and then your mum tells you off and you're like great now that's the book we can't touch again because you've drawn all over it and then as an adult I sort of stumbled across it again by accident and I read it and I was like that's so short it's so short mm -hmm. but you feel like when you think back that you've read like a massive novel because it's a whole world it's one line but it's this that kind of pregnant line loaded with ammo that you feel like, why do I feel like I've been to this scary place that's so unsettling and like weird? It's so free. It doesn't go, and then Max dreamt up. It just goes, and then a garden or jungle took over his room. And that's that. You don't go, did he dream it or did he go? How did he get there? You just go, okay, accept this information. Then he became king. You don't go how, and then that line, um, don't go, I'll eat you up. I love you so just kills me so that's like when that's when i thought i just want to write about monsters in everyday life monsters in art but it's so bold as well isn't oh, it it's so bold saying, i'm the writer it's changed deal with bam it. in the night gone. kitchen bold. one of the greatest oh uses God. of oliver hardy when he's not with stan laurel huh. the greatest use of oliver hardy is when he's with stan laurel i'm a huge so Ron hardy fan but that is there's one of my favorite memories of I, I used to go to book fairs with my dad right and you'd see all these kind of intriguing people you might see michael foot wandering around you know oh, looking nice. for some kind of you know bevan tone tome or whatever but Ivor cutler would often be there Oh, and Ivor wow. Cutler, the, the, the wonderful uh, Glaswegian poet and um, writer, he was always looking for Maurice Sendak. He was a collector of Maurice Sendak. And that bit where I would have been, I probably knew him from seeing something like uh, Magical Mystery Tour, something mm. like that. It was, pro oh, Or maybe I'd heard the first Peel session he did. Yeah, or that I'd heard, sorry, not the first Peel session he did, but the first Peel session. And I used to think this, this wonderful, slightly bizarre, eccentric-looking man going up to these different stalls and just going, I'm looking for some Maurice Sendak. And it was so... You yeah. can see like, how that like would have fed Like Marjorie Stewart Baxter. Did you ever watch Salad Fingers? Anyway. 
Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's what it sounded like. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had an interview of him for the New York Times. Have you ever heard it? You've got to see the Morris send that one when it's illustrated. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And he talks about his views on life, and it's just before he died. And oh, wow. it could it, again. You'll be crying. You'll be crying, absolutely crying. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I fit. Realize that actually the power that we what what we can do we, when we can ignite uh, a thought, an idea, and take somebody somewhere else without child having to have heaps of money we can go without a flight to disney or japan or wherever or you can tr- literally be transported somewhere else with the power of this you can feel like max like your room is being taken over by a jungle and you're the king and someone's gonna eat you up they love you that much they could eat you and that's what i just was and obviously well done huge well done fan like die hard see that's a facet the thing that he got so you know that that moment you know pucker up mouth like a dog's bottom yeah that is an, another <laughs> sphincter reference from our previous yeah, podcast where we were talking about the the, the the sphincters of kurt vonnegut um but that when i you know i love seeing i think my son now he's, he's seven and he's read nearly all of them there's a couple which i think not yet yeah you know, we just wait for those and david williams i think actually captures some of that spirit very mm. well and of course has quentin blake doing mm. it as well but there is something roald dahl what he had apart from a Amazing. bowl of mars bars and milky ways i'm so glad you said that what? so roald dahl used to put on the most incredible dinners you've ever ever known like everyone would go to his house for like the best cuts of meat best gravy best vegetables best wine be luxurious they'd be like oh my god this is so luxurious and at the end he'd just throw on a like chuck a crate of mars bars on for pudding and be like help yourself that was pudding. He so saw have the best, like, confectionery as, but that, that was, was because luxury. he Tell really did think that, that's exactly what it comes from. So he would said, be there eating a Mars bar at the end. You can read, I think, Lynn Barber's <laughs> interview. I know. You find interviews with him, you will, you will see in some of them, he will, will go, the fascinating thing was when they, the Mars bar, and it is like the engineering, because this is another wow. great thing about Roald, is when you find out, you know, because there were a lot of people who go, he was a pretty grumpy and difficult mm-hmm. man as well but some of the things he did like one thing i have to mention is there is a really uh horrible book and i do you know what, it's the title which is a kind of version of george's marvelous medicine with george's marvelous measles it's called and it is about having measles parties and how you should do that and not have vaccination <gasps> and of course you know he actually one of his children uh died from, and it's like this person who... When did they write that? Are they like the, a new anti-vaxxer? It's, it's an anti-vaxxer a few years ago. And then he also invented the stent thing as well, this incredible thing where uh, when one of his, his children uh, had... Um, uh, it, was to, it, it helps to drain fluid, as far oh as I remember. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was him and two engineers. He went, he went, he went I've got... A, so an incredible man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And he said to, to be a good writer, uh, to be a good children's writer, all you needed was a good memory. And I think it's so true. It's just, he said that his mum, his own mum, used to see the beauty in the tiniest things. So she'd stop to notice a flower growing out of the crack in the pavement and she would stop to notice if the sky and make him stop to tune in and listen to beautiful music. So it's just about tiny things and about memory and remembering all those moments when you felt scared of something that now seems so small, but remembering to reinstall that fear. Or I mean, yeah. I still have that now over a tiny thing, to be honest. <laughs> but... Um, I completely see that in his work and what I love so much is he never patronises his readers from he writes exactly the same like in Kiss Kiss or Switch Bitch he writes identical to how he does for his kids Mm. just without the naughtiness really the same kind of naughtiness and that's why I think they're so loved and they're so popular because they feel exciting they do and big and do you know what doesn't know he's the great glass elevator Oh, that one, in. <laughs> that one is a really. I read that to my son, and we both kind of went, "Yeah, 
able to skip that one actually. Yeah, now, yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's a really odd compared it's a bit to too, isn't it? Yeah, compared <laughs> to Matilda, compared to the Twits, compared yeah, to all those other things. Yeah. So your book, let's talk about. We will also talk about other people's books that yeah. you would like to recommend yeah. as well. But your your, oh, well, your I've latest got a one. Oh, boring proof copy me today, but I'll send you both shiny ones. Oh but, my god, um, I would love that. So, Thank you. Yeah, of course. So this is uh, Lorelai's my new book, which is a young adult book, which means like teen kind of Hunger Games, Twilight, that kind of business. So I wanted to take a little bit of a step up because I've been writing the Darcy Burdock series for, um, well, for the last three years. I'm on book five now. So, and I didn't... What do you... I'm sorry, before you go further, yeah. just because of writing for a younger audience, because mm. in the, my limited experience, for instance, of writing for children's TV rather than adult TV, I find there's actually a lot more freedom. In, as yeah, as opposed to be as, as opposed to being hampered by the fact you are allowed to yeah of course That's you can't question. swear or anything like that but you can create oh, well, more at, exciting look surreal at in the night bizarre, garden or Teletubbies you can be yeah. like and then someone comes along and washes their all faces and okay there's a baby in the sun like fine. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's so brilliant. And um, in Darcy Burdock, which is my main kind of series, which is about a little girl who wants to be a writer who can't spell and can't, her grammar's all over the place and her imagination is furious. She's like a bottle of drink that's been shaken up and she gets angry, she gets jealous, she gets envious. She's completely like kick-ass really. I'm a bit in love with her. But she, um, and she writes, so it's her stories as well as the main kind of arc, which I wanted to be kind of Simpsons-y and every day. And then there's these, kind of moments that are just flights of fantasy um and i'm really obsessed actually with the flight, the flight of the concords so i oh, really wanted yeah. each story to be told in that different kind of way so some are like through poetry so how how they do their songs some like in claymation some yeah, in puppetry yeah, yeah. some and through you can do anything that's exactly so when the one kind of opens one they're all told differently well, that's so good for kids yeah. it's literally like you are allowed to use your imagination absolutely at all times. no please come with you have to have yeah, it yeah. like definitely so that, and then, but then I start thinking, oh, she's getting older now. I really don't want her to get boobs and periods. And her, she's got like a best friend who's a boy. I don't want them to start getting a bit as your father. So have you <laughs> been, are you imagining your audience uh, are each year that you do a new one, they have come with you for that year? Uh, I think, I hope so. Because that's what yeah. I find weird about now for yeah. Harry Potter, yes. which is, of course, my son going into yeah, Harry Potter. True. He wants to read all of them. Yeah. And I said, there's got to be a stopping point. So he's read one, two and three at the age of seven. And then unfortunately, actually at four, which is also three's big. You go, three's I'd monster. never read a book that long when I was seven years old. And, and all his mates have done it as well. And then, so just in case, suddenly go, no, Jay. So go, no, they've all done it. <laughs> but then they do all suddenly just go four. They go, oh, and they do stop. Because four, I think, was actually when, when her audience would have been about 10 or 11. Well, I think they're trying to, you know, republicise it again in that way because I think they're kind of the, the fans. They're, it's, we're kind of older now and it's like how to readdress the new market. You've got to kind yeah. of... Well, it has to be brought up like a uh, treasured experience. Absolutely. But what's interesting with Harry Potter is when it first came out, I was a little bit too old, right? So I was like, oh, I'm too old for it, too old for it. Someone got, tried to get me to it and I sort of started, but I was like busy. I was like, oh, I'm too old for it. And then it became that I would sort of was out of step and I never started. And then it became that they were like four, four, five and six all the way through. I still hadn't read it. And then I was like, I'll save it and I'll read it with my kids. And at that time I was probably about 20. So I was thinking, you know, 10 years I'll be reading it with my kids. And now here I am, I'm 33 and I haven't had kids and I hope I do. But then even if I do, it's not going to be for at least three years till I have a kid. So I'm looking at another 10 years. I haven't read it. I haven't, I haven't read, it, read it. But I've not seen any of them either. Should we do a wine and read in Harry Potter party? I've never read them. <laughs> I've never, okay. No, no, no. I mean, I've, I've, my son's read bits of them to me, but I've never... But I feel he like just wanted to be invited to the wine and the sleepover. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, no. <laughs> I haven't. Guys, guys. 
But I feel like I've held up Time this long. Time to buy some new pajamas. I should wait until my kids are seven and read it with them because yeah. then we'll discover it that's together. That's true. And then you could be like looking forward to it. But that's yeah. another ten years at least. It's that you still. Can hang I'll tell on. you it's what. Though, it's around. like Doctor Who, right? With Doctor Who, yeah. I didn't watch any of the the you know the new Doctor Who because I don't. It's not really my. I don't watch very much anyway. And I know it should be for kids anyway. In fact, BBC, stop putting on at eight thirty at night, you idiots. <laughs> no one is happy with that. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's so Rolling yeah, it should seven. be. Um, but it's a really enjoyable thing to sit and watch it with a seven-year-old. Yeah, even I though I found imagine. out that most of his friends aren't allowed to see it, it's too scary. And there was a bit when the eyeless zombie kind of ghost creature went, and suddenly in front of the porthole where uh, he did actually get the pillow, just and he went, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. The uh, we haven't got quite enough room to move the sofa forward enough to get him behind it, so we're having to use a portable cushion instead. Portable cushion yeah. for a mini hand. We have some sofa. portable cushions. Some cushions are obviously fitted, uh, <laughs> nailed to the. Uh... And, and you wouldn't move a structural cushion. No. You, wouldn't. You, wouldn't. you wouldn't. When you've got cushions no, as beautiful as us, cushion. we have to nail our cushions to the wall. Oh, never on a Sunday. You make me no. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nailing my cushion to the mast. <laughs> Very peculiar. And so you were worried about the characters oh, that so they yeah, were becoming different. To get too old. And in the books, there's. Um, I, I really was important to me that boys and girls both liked them mm. so they're not just books for girls even though the main character is a girl uh, there's stuff in it like, and the publishers of Random House have been amazing they've let me do things like um, kill a postman and make pancakes out of human beings oh. and let an octopus oh. and a woman get together and oh. a bit of bestiality and they've just gone with all that which has been brilliant so uh, I knew I wanted to do something a little bit older assuming that these guys might be 16 or whatever but I've learned lots about the young adult market now plus I was really quite bored of not being able to swear as I said my parents were punks so I was thinking <laughs> come on so I knew I wanted to do something with monsters and I felt like what monster could I, I I'm obsessed with freaks I feel like the isolated members in the world are sort of I, I'm obsessed with lonely people and people that are unique I'm constantly the one of the reasons I go to schools is to say it's amazing to be unique amazing yeah. to be original don't well, that's try John and... Wyndham's The Chrysalids I yeah. still use that as a reference point in stand up there is still there's something about the way that he wrote about you know the, the, you know, you, you ever read the Chrysalis? No, I haven't. It's a wonderful. It's you know, so the, these are the outsiders. These are the people who may well have an extra digit, or whatever it might be, and and I think that's a yeah, a great. Well, I always say it in schools, you know, this. I know it's hard for you to see it now, especially now I'm doing teenager, like, uh, secondary school, but it's all you want to do is follow the pack, but actually yeah. to be the other one going the other, other way, that's exciting. That's when stuff gets yes. excited. All my favourite people are odd ones out, David Bowie and everyone like that. So I thought um, I need to create an odd one out, but a celebrated one out. So I thought, I oh, know, I'll, I'll use a mermaid as my main character. And not in that kind of, hey, I'm Splash Bubblegum Girl, like more Nirvana and a bit grungy and <laughs> kind of hot and lesbian-y and really sexy and I thought oh, no, I'll do it in Hastings and because I know a little bit about there and I thought that is the home of Bohemia as well is it? I'm Brigitte yeah. Aphrodite if you've ever seen uh... she's one of my best mates actually she's we were so chilling yeah. last week yeah yeah yeah, oh, so, yeah that's what we were Miss... about emergency and she's oh. one that we were talking and that's when I did my free visit because we were like we need to help everyone oh, that's brilliant yeah, she's but this great. is a recommendation to listeners is that she's written a musical she has. Uh, called My Beautiful Black my Dog My Beautiful Black Dog and it's and it's or... about the same I guess celebrating being yes. individual and unique. Yes, and um, I still haven't seen it, which is very frustrating to me because I know I'm going to love it. She loves you as well, so I love her she so should come on this show. We but went to, yeah, we yeah. But she, she um, we went to primary school together. 
Did you? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, oh, we well, that seems to make sense because you both are cut from amazing cloth. Oh but God. she, um, the show is about um, her struggling with depression and overcoming yeah. that, but she tells it in like a glitterable, incredible, beautiful way. Mm. So, I was just going to say, by the way, if yeah. you do want to know, because we haven't had that enough book recommendations today, possibly, I think it's in Jonathan Meads' collection of his different scripts, uh, Museums Without Walls, is the episode where he goes in search of Bohemia and eventually decides it's in Hastings and it ends ha! with the poet Fiona Pickheffley coming down that. her fascinating kind of uh, slightly broken and fractured uh, stairwell reading out one of her poems. And he says, if you look in Hastings, you'll see it. There are actually many different little streets called different versions of Bohemia. I never knew that. That's so weird. So I've stopped you there. And no, I'm... it's fine. That's I think good. Hastings is a very magical place. It is magical. It's like it's built in like a sphere. There's quite, you feel like when you're in it, you feel like I might not ever get let out of this place again. Yeah. And you have to just kind of be okay with that. But oh, I... I don't know. I went on holiday there. <laughs> and you were and, ready to get and out. No, and I, no, I really liked it. But the first thing, literally, we closed the door and went, oh, it's a nice little cottage. And then a, a flyer came in and it was a flyer that says, this is a charity that gives, it's charity for British people. Oh, and, and I thought there right. must be somebody who looks through the net curtains going, some other ones have come in. Put another flyer in, and you thought, "Oh, oh how coastal!" Don't be like don't that. Don't be like that. You know, there is a little bit of that, but then they have but days actually, like Green Man where they just well. all go wild. No, it is a great. But I knew I wanted town. to have a sixteen-year-old boy protagonist because I'd done girls for so long. Um, my brain is a bit boy too, so I thought, "What will make this boy's birthday really good?" I know I'll put a naked girl on the beach, <laughs> and he can find her. And then the mermaid thing sort of came about. I've written some pirates; they're really. Hot. I fancy my pirates so much. <laughs> There's sirens that are like on a beach, but they're like half bird winged with claws that shove them into Dr. Martin boots and like scraggy kind of Amy Winehouse hair and fishnet tights. And they like get sailors and lure them um, to their rock where they have sex with them and then eat their bodies. And then there's like sea, mo sea monsters and um, so basically Lorelei's trying to be uh, taken back to the sea. Um, I don't want to tell you a secret, but I can't yet, but I will. One day. And um, so that's out, just come out in July. And then I'm working on um, a new Darcy, my last Darcy of the series. So that and a couple of plays. That's kind of what I'm doing. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, fine. That is all and right. that's why I'm trying to say to kids, you can't, you don't have to be like, wow, she's an X Factor, as you say. or And also, you don't need to let one thing define you creatively as well. Like, Thank God for that. You don't need no. to put that little box on yourself. Like, people love... To they put love you in a box as soon as they can. And like partly with my stand-up with the different shows that I've done in my life, I sometimes deliberately just go like, right, what is not like what I was doing before? Let me see if I can get them to give me a different adjective now. But because you're so smart, you must have, mo both of you, you must have <laughs> moments when you want to be like, I know this is serious now actually, what I'm trying to say, and they must be like, ha, 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 and you're like, no, no, can you just... Do you know what's the weirdest don't thing laugh is sometimes <laughs> they'll go with it, but there's a little bit, because of, like, for me, it's over 20 years of playing clubs and stuff. I, was, or, I mean, it's not so much in the last 10 years, but, you know, all of that, which sometimes I'm reading, like, a sad bit out from a book That's or some mean. kind of tragic thing, and the audience are fine with it, but my brain's sometimes going, not many laughs here, and they go, there's not meant line. to be. <laughs> you're talking about a death from leukaemia, <laughs> you idiot. Or we have I run have out of time. But I have a bit where in my brain I'm like, put a, just put a laugh in now. But I had a very interesting talk with a friend of mine who was looking at one of my, uh, who was helping me with one of my shows a while back. And I was, it was the first time really talking about politics. I was trying really hard to sort of, I felt so earnest and so evangelical and so like desperate to say these things. And he sort of taught me to sort of 
you can say whatever you want, but you need to wheedle it in. You need to sort of Vegetables undermine in the mash. it. Yes, exactly. Yes. You undermine it. You muck around with it. You qualify a joke by explaining what your real point of view is. You, yes. you try and cut it up. And I actually think sometimes my shows, like especially my last show, there's a little bit in it where I think actually it's probably not got enough jokes in it. But Which bit's that? Well, there's, there's a bit where I'm kind of talking too much about how I felt. Can I say I something that I find weird about your show? Oh, I'm, no, do you know what? what? I was out in Sydney. Oh, right for a few go. days, and I thought, um, Josie's on. Well, I should go. I should address. go. I should go and support uh, Josie. And it clashed with also Endgame, Beckett's Endgame, with uh, Hugo Weaving. I thought, no, 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 no. Go to no. Josie's show. It sold out anyway, so it was like fine. She wasn't worried about anything. And uh, and then five days later, we were playing a festival in Wales, and I went looking back. Maybe I should have gone see Endgame, not because I didn't like your show, but I'd seen it twice already. Yeah. Uh. But that's that's how much I respect you. I'm a as siren an artist. in that respect that I will lure people away from Hugo Weaving. Have sex yeah. of them and eat you them. never know. <laughs> I might do that. I might be feeling sad, oh, so come and see so my show. Funny. Okay. Anyway, it's a brilliant show, and I hope you're still it's doing it, aren't no, you? No, it's over now. It's over um, now. Oh. It, it was a fantastic <laughs> show. Anyway, sorry. And I, we've run out of time, so we just have oh, to say we'll continue the thought. Laura, thank you very much for for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't every single time I come with a big rucksack of books. We did all kinds of things. The sad book. Yeah, and we've like uh, your books. Dolls. This is the first uh, time we, we've had to someone that we can recommend. Well, I suppose. Oh no, I guess Sarah's it's not got a book soon, and books. Stuart Lee. You can still get copies of his first novel, *The Perfect Fool*, which is a very interesting read, even though he now views it with some disdain. I bet it's but, really good. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, oh, thank, you thank you very much to Laura. Thank you very much to Josie. Well done for doing this, by the way. This is what we need. Oh, We're having thanks. fun. We're having Isn't fun. It? Thank you very much to uh, Trent as well, who is uh, part of our uh, producing team as well. And uh, you can find out more about his work at Trunkman Productions. And if you would like to help us make more of these, because we're basically just managing to afford to get a studio, uh, we have a, a, a Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, if you put in Patreon and then look and put in Robin Ince, it will say, Robin Ince is making a podcast with Josie Long. Yes. And if you can pledge even a dollar, which I think is about 62 pence per show, uh, then it means that we can keep making these things. Yes. And uh, we're not doing it for profit. We are just trying to make sure that we can do it properly. Thank you very much. Read some books. Goodbye.